0: Alright, this is Darker Days Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and tonight I'm joined by Chig. How's it going, Chig? Pretty good, Mike. How you doing? Great. Hey, by the way, Chig, uh, April Fools, we have to record this episode again. Whoopsie doodle, what happened? I forgot to hit record on Google On Air, and my local recording just didn't have you in it for some reason. So... Oh,
1: man. Our audience is going to miss out on all of our hot jokes that we had in that oh, first take. It's going to be a real boring, dull episode. I'm sorry, guys.
0: Yeah, bummer. Bummer. But um, I think it'll be an even better episode this time. So, Chig, let's just jump into things real quick. And uh, can you give me like, a quick game update? What have you been playing lately?
1: Sure. Uh, well, my local group is still enjoying, as far as they tell me, uh, our Blades in the Dark game that I'm running. Um, it's a real fun system, as we've said before. Uh The group is uh, hip deep in political intrigue, and there's some infighting. And it's real fun for me as the guy running it to see the infighting. Uh, So yeah, it's a great game. Uh, I strongly recommend the system to people who haven't played. Um, Go pick that up. Blades in the Dark from John Harper, published by Evil Hat Games.
0: Nice. Yeah, Evil Hat, definitely a uh, strong recommend there. Yeah, so on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the uh, classic urban horror RPG, Nightlife just kind of reviewing it and seeing what's uh what it blatantly flagrantly stole from the world of darkness and we're going to be following kind of the system mastery format from that podcast uh just have a little fun with that and move along in that direction before we get to nightlife why don't we talk about some news
1: yeah we have some some sad news here at uh darker days radio uh Mike just mentioned uh, System Mastery and Jeff, uh, one of the System Mastery hosts uh, who inspired this episode, uh, has recently got out of the hospital. Um, He was there without insurance um, because late last year uh, when his daughter was born, he could afford to insure either her or himself. And he made uh, what we're going to call the correct decision here uh, to put her needs over his own and uh, got insurance for her. So uh, he was in the hospital for about a week uh with no insurance and uh for those of you unfamiliar with the american medical system that is horrible um so if you can help uh we would all appreciate it i know that uh jeff and his family and john the other co-host of uh uh system mastery would would appreciate it as well uh there is a uh, GoFundMe set up for him uh, you can find that at bit.ly slash living, L-I-V-I-N-G, mastery, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y.
0: Yeah, and we'll uh, definitely put a link in the show notes. Yeah, it's definitely a good cause, and if you can just throw them a buck or two, uh, it really goes a long way to uh, helping someone out. That brings a lot of joy to a lot of role players. Absolutely. And in more happy news, and this is totally actually not an April Fool's joke, it just happens to be news. That we want to talk about on this episode uh vampire the masquerade bloodlines 2 was just announced at the games developers conference in san francisco the game is going to be published uh, by paradox interactive and uh, it's being developed by Hardsuit labs and the game will continue the theme and story of bloodlines 1 with some recurring characters but it'll actually be set in seattle washington as the player takes the role of a new mass embraced kindred so, uh, definitely looks promising. There's a trailer out and everything and a little, uh, like 15 minute uh, announcement handle that they had seen, so check that out and get some more information. And, uh, we'll definitely put a link to show notes in, to Jeff's, uh, GoFundMe and also links in the show notes to, uh, this Bloodlines 2 stuff as well. So just check that out, uh.
1: Yeah, the game looks looks gorgeous from the, the trailer that I saw.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely impressive graphics. And uh, they said they're working on the combat system a bit to make that more intuitive and more fun. So I think people will definitely appreciate that. So tonight, we decided to do something a little bit different. You know, after The World of Darkness came out and Vampire the Masquerade hit the streets in 1991, there was a deluge of new role-playing games inspired by Vampire. Uh, games trying to catch that same lightning in a bottle. Or games that were just kind of cheap knockoffs looking to make a quick buck. So tonight, on April Fool's Day, we're going to take a look at the original knockoff of Vampire. A book so similar to 1991's Vampire the Masquerade that it's going to make you doubt your humanity score. We're going to review Nightlife.
1: nightlife set in the dark future of the 1990s in nightlife you take on the role of one of the immortal kin various groups of supernaturals who survive on the life force of humans this grim world of um dimness dimness pit you and your friends against each other humanity other kin and the 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 dimness. We
0: decided on dimness. Dimness inside yourself. Not just that, Chig, but nightlife is set in the grim darkness of 90s New York City's punk rock scene. You and your fellow kin, when they're not trying to fight crime and, you know, stop the bad kin, are going to be partying hard with the talking heads, the New York dolls, and, if you're lucky, maybe even Susie and the Banshees. And let me tell you, as one of the kin, you need to feed in New York's club scene. So you better dress the part. Leather jackets fishnets, ripped jeans, maybe wearing Converse's in a trench coat. In this game, you gotta have game. But you know, Chig, um, in future New York, everything's gone to hell. You know, drugs fill the streets, prostitutes strut through Broadway, Central Park is a wretched hive of scum and villainy, and the Russians have taken over Brighton Beach. But there's one silver lining. Mass transit has advanced, okay? The subway system has been mostly... It's just a funct now. It's been replaced by cross-city bullet trains, and if that's not fast enough for you, you can take taxi helicopters. Doesn't that sound awesome?
1: That does sound very awesome. I yeah. personally would like a taxi helicopter for my own daily commute. Who yeah. amongst us would not?
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the game assumes that yours probably is probably something like 1995, so... I mean, you gotta gotta assume that New York has elected someone way more competent than Rudy Giuliani,
1: am I right? By way more confident, you mean literally any other random New Yorker not named Trump, right? Hey-oh! Topical humor!
0: Yeah, but that's not all. New York City is filled with the teeming masses of Eastern European immigrants. You already said it went to hell, that's implied. Whoa, hey man. I mean, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be a bad thing, because I I kind of like pierogies and Veroniki.
1: The game is sure that that's supposed to be a bad thing.
0: (laughs) Lastly, we got to mention all the different gangs. You know, they're fighting for turf, they're fighting for money, fighting for blood. Some are even fighting for humanity.
1: Yeah, and uh, like you said, uh, Nightlife is set in New York, and so these gangs all have their territories laid out. Uh, But beyond that, there isn't really a setting chapter in the book. Uh, Mm. Of course, this is set in the, the real world, so it expects you to do your own research on the setting, uh, be that by going to the library and checking out some travel guides, or just basing it off the movies you've seen that were set in New York. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what the, the writers did. And hey, if you don't live there, your players probably aren't going to know that street whatever doesn't actually cross avenue so-and-so this far uptown. Uh, and this game isn't about verisimilitude. It's more about style
0: oh it's all about the style i really have a feeling that these guys just watched the warriors and they were like yeah that's that's what new york city gangs are like totally 100 i mean <laughs> they have this one gang this isn't the show notes but remember the uh the katana gang yes the ones who control chinatown the, the katanas yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, we'll let you,
1: you listeners figure out why that's not quite accurate
0: go ahead uh... Anyway, I think that brings us to The Kin. It does, yeah. So this 88-page role-playing game allows you to play numerous supernatural monsters known as The Kin. The writers cite inspiration mostly from film, like Dracula and The Lost Boys, but has clear splatterpunk inspiration from the likes of horror author and friend of the show, Nancy A. Collins, and her Sonya Blue series. And of course, the book was clearly inspired by Vampire the Masquerade, which was published in 1991. Clearly. Uh, Kin is the name for the monsters living in the herd of humanity. They remain hidden, feeding off unsuspecting mortals, as well as being protected by an elaborate masquer... Wait, no, no, no. Let's call it a set of tenets. A set of tenets, yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, So Nightlife supports a number of playable kin all in the core book, including ghosts, werewolves, uh, animates, which are Frankensteins or golems or Prometheans, uh vampires spelled with a y demons spelled with an a whites also spelled with a y and inuits spelled with just a truckload of racism
0: yeah let's let's just let's just get that out of the way first Chig. i mean these guys as they were ripping off a lot from vampire masquerade they also decided to rip off a little bit of mm, questionable racism from the werewolf game as well so in the real world Inuit is a term used for culturally similar Native American slash First Nations peoples, primarily up in Canada, Alaska, and Greenland. For some reason, Nightlife thought it'd be a good idea to make a kin of supernatural nature spirits and call them Inuits.
1: That's almost as insensitive as having a book about magical thieves and calling it, I don't know, gypsies or something. Mm. So yeah I assume that this uh naming is an artifact of the pre-internet times in which the or the early internet times I guess in which the book was published um they could have just stuck with nature spirits or genius loci or something less offensive than a real yeah. world term for Native it's, Americans.
0: It's pretty weird. And, you know, much like how it's weird that werewolf uses metis, which is an actual tribe a name uh, for its deformed uh, werewolves. It's pretty weird that the Inuits in this book have this like weird need to breed. It's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And hey,
1: they, they also wear feathers because, you know, racism.
0: Yeah. But you know what? Jake, if you just ignore all that, if you ignore the Inuits, everything else, you know, it's actually pretty fine. You know, you have vampires, vampires, vampires with a Y, um, who have to feed on blood, and they can spread their infection through their bites. Um, you have werewolves, which can transform to were, uh, into wolves, and also uh, take on a battle form, kind of like Krino's form, and they have to feed off of pain, well, which is they pretty don't, interesting.
1: they don't strictly need to feed off of pain. Um, they're, they're kind of the good guys that way, except for they, they can feed off pain and it helps them, you know, heal and use their werewolfy powers. So I guess they're kind of just assholes like that. They don't need to, but they can, and they will.
0: They, they definitely will because, you know, the writers thought about the werewolves quite a bit and how to make them work in the game. And it's interesting that there's this, like, uh, this faction of the kin um the the red moon assholes uh or whatever they were called they're kind of like terrorists that uh, attack the herd and uh seek to just destabilize things and that faction actually has a very very high concentration of werewolves who by joining it can feed off the pain so maybe they're not really the good guys it's also interesting that you know you mentioned that they don't have to feed but in a very stressful situation the designers put in this kind of frenzy mechanic where if they're they're aggravated or someone's arguing with them they may just flip out and go into battle form and start feeding on the pain of someone else and it's kind of beyond their control
1: when in fact will they
0: rage yeah exactly question yeah 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 so it's actually kind of clever design i mean clearly clearly stolen from werewolf the apocalypse but you know lifted with heavy hand hmm and then we also have ghosts that you can play in this game. And they're pretty interesting because they can't die. Um, you know, most of the kin actually, if they die, I'm saying this in quotation marks, uh, they will come back to life the next night unless they are um, killed in a very specific way. So like staking and beheading a, uh, a vampire, for example, or um, you know, attacking a werewolf with silver. Those are ways to permanently kill them, bring about the final death, if you will. But ghosts cannot die. They can only be exorcised, which is kind of interesting. They feed off of fear, sending a chill up the spine of uh, passersby. And the other kind of interesting thing is that uh, they're always stuck in period dress from when they died, unless they try really, really hard to conjure some different clothing for themselves.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, generally speaking in this game, you're playing a new kin, so you'll fit in. Plus, you can possess people, so if you don't want to look like... Mm-hmm. An extra from the warriors forever you can just you know possess that suited businessman over there mm.
0: yeah that's a good point uh next we have the whites, which are uh well jake maybe you can tackle this a little bit because you describe them as mummies interestingly enough
1: yeah they're they're definitely mummies uh they're not the world of darkness mummies you know with the uh the whole soul that you know comes back to its body every century or so and Runs around and does its thing, um, but they're more like classic horror movie mummies uh, that will drain your life away and age you prematurely. Um, with the name Whites, I was sort of hoping for more Lovecrafty and ghouls who feast on the dead in, in cemeteries and underground tunnels. But eh, what you gonna do?
0: You know, I think you could still pull that off a little bit. I mean, you could just do a little. Uh, a little change and say that the whites have to feed off of flesh to get their life energy.
1: I mean, look, there's nothing stopping them from raiding a graveyard and eating whatever they dig up. Right, right, I right. I mean, that, that's true of everybody.
0: That's, that's true, yeah. Um, but they do have this interesting mechanic where as their humanity gets low, they turn more and more, like, decayed, rotten, and ghoul-like in the Lovecraftian sense. So I think they're kind of a cross between maybe Lovecraft ghouls and, and mummies. A little bit, a little bit. Now, after that, of course, we get to the uh, the animates, which are, they're kind of cool, um, because they have these mechanics to be all different sorts of created beings. They could be a, a Frankenstein, or a clay golem, or a spirit-infused corpse, or a Galatean, or even a uh, a punk rock anarchy t-shirt wearing checky doll.
1: To just choose a example at random. Um, uh, we also have demons, or daemons, or daemons, or I'm just going to call them demons because that's easier. Uh, they have, don't really have anything to do with uh, religion, but instead are dimensional entities who were cast out to Earth to feed on life force.
0: Yeah, you say that, Chig, but um, they do have... They are repelled by holy symbols, which is kind of interesting. Uh, despite them being these dimensional entities, they still have this bizarre weakness tied to religion um, so that they can, I guess, act sort of like biblical demons, and yet... Tread lightly, so that Moms Against D and D don't come after come after them, right. come after Stellar
1: Games. We we look like demons. We have the horns and the, the wings and the red skin, and we don't like crosses or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, but we are definitely not, those demons.
0: No no way no way. Strange coincidence. <laughs> now the kin, get some really cool powers called edges, and these are interesting because each time your character buys one taking that edge will actually decrease their humanity stat, their maximum humanity stat. So as your character grows more powerful, it becomes more difficult for them to cling to their humanity and interact with society. Um, Even using these powers actually costs them temporary humanity. So it's kind of like in, if you think of Vampire the Masquerade, what if you all started with humanity 10, but as you took discipline points, your maximum humanity score went down. And then as you used your disciplines, your dots also fluctuated. It's kind of like that, except they use a uh, a zero to one hundred system in this case. This is really interesting because it means that uh, if your character goes around just just starts mind controlling mortals and wreaking havoc on their lives, they'll start to slip into this more monstrous state. And having low humanity means that a kin looks less human. Uh, so in the case of like a vampire, they become more pale. Uh, werewolves grow unibrows, etc., etc. And the other interesting thing is that. If you have very low humanity, very low temporary humanity, the kin will take extra damage from their flaws. So, as mentioned, you know, silver for werewolves, uh, sun and running water uh, for vampires, and stuff like that.
1: Holy symbols for demons for totally yeah. unrelated reasons.
0: <laughs> mysterious, mysterious reasons. Hey, that's a story seed right there. Just they just out. don't
1: like they don't like right angles. They're they're the other Lovecraftian entities. They're the oh, hounds right. of Tindalos.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's a really interesting mechanical mix of Cyberpunk, where you get this cool... As you get more cool powers and cool tech in Cyberpunk 2020, your humanity decreases and also distances your character from society, and it's harder for them to do, socially interact. But you also have the element of Vampire the Masquerade, where your character's actions will reduce their humanity as a sort of failure spiral.
1: Yeah, and humanity is really hard to gain back. Um At the end of an adventure or game session, um, your temporary humanity, which remember you lose by using your powers, has to be higher than your max. So you then trade off your temporary points that are over your maximum humanity at a rate of 10 to 1 to raise that max humanity until the max is higher than the temporary score. So it's real difficult to gain it back.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, every one of these kin has to feed every night or else they start to starve and they lose fitness points, which is when your stats. And every time they feed, let's say they feed and they do not kill their victim. They have a they feed from a willing victim that they do not kill, they lose 3 humanity right there. If they feed from an unwilling victim and kill them, minus 20 right off the bat. And that's that's a huge decrease on your, you know, 0 to 100 scale uh for humanity. So it's it's harsh. This is a harsh game.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. It might have harsher humanity and control rules than uh, uh, the regular World of Darkness games that it was so clearly inspired by.
0: Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. When you get down to it in Nightlife, what are the kin supposed to do? Now, I only have the first edition of Nightlife, which gives you very few setting details, but it seems to me like there's three main story ideas right right so chick of course we have the kin on kin violence
1: that's right because you're the good guys and you're fighting the bad guys to keep your personal feeding troughs slash humans slash maybe all of mankind keep them safe from the evil kin who want only to destroy everyone and everything
0: yeah, and the interesting thing about the Kin-on-Kin violence is that Nightlife introduces multiple factions for the Kin, kind of like the uh, the sects of uh, Vampire the Masquerade, you know, the Camarilla, the Sabbat. We have, of course, the Commune. They're basically just the Camarilla. They want to live peacefully, coexist with the herd, society, and, you know, keep up their elaborate masquerade, uh, their tenets, their set of tenets. Set of tenets. Uh, set of tenets. And... Um, Actually, the kind of cool thing, backstory for them, is that they were created uh, during the Industrial Revolution as, you know, the herd really exploded, Um, but they really organized themselves and were inspired by the French resistance following uh, the Second World War. And that's how they learned how to operate covertly amongst humanity. Um, So that, that was kind of something a little interesting right there. Seems like it came about a little too late, you know, probably started up doing that in the 1950s, but... I'll give them a pass just for uh, something a little creative. And in addition to the commune, we of course have the complex and they believe that, you know, the herd uh, needs to be ruled, exploited, and fed upon. Uh, they're pretty merciless and, you know, they are uh, you know taking control of organized crime in New York and trying to just crush humanity so that they can become docile. And they're, they're, Kind of like the Sabbat in a lot of ways, you know. Maybe, maybe a little inspired by the Giovanni and Vampire the Masquerade.
1: I mean, I would think that the Morningstar Corporation was more Giovanni-ish, but they're the guys That's... who uh, want to uh, corrupt humanity from within, you know, hmm. turning capitalism against us. Oh yeah, trying definitely. to own everyone and everything in a literal yeah, the sense. Yeah, Morning,
0: the Morningstar Corporation. You know, they have their giant headquarters tower in New York City, so actually, sounds pretty much like the the Giovanni. Or I'm sorry, the uh, Hecate is that—that's what they're called now in uh, V5. Is it? Okay. Um, I missed no, that. The Giovanni are a subset of them. I missed the that. The Hecate uh, Death Clan. So yeah, they are, uh, you know, focused on financial economic chaos. They caused the Wall Street crash of uh, 1929. That's right. Vampires and demons did it because they're the main members of the Star Corporation, and they're hoping that as capitalism is turned and corrupted, they can control. Humanity, and then finally we have the Red Moonrise, which is the uh, terrorist kin organization that we mentioned before. They want to, you know, do just you know anarchy, random acts of violence, wholesale slaughter, and hope that that chaos will uh, will subdue humanity. Um, so again, kind of kind of like Bali, kind of sabat, but the U.S. government's now onto them, and they actually massacred a whole bunch of them in Boulder, Colorado. A previous hotbed of the kin. Yeah, so serious stuff. But getting back to it, there's some other cool uh, things you can do in nightlife. Of course, there's a sweet random table in the book for cruising for trouble throughout New York City. That's right. You can roll randomly, one one to a hundred. Maybe you're going to fight gangs. Maybe you're going to stop drug dealers. Maybe you're going to fight some disease, some plague-ridden zombie vampire. All sorts of you know just the the stuff you expect in New York City at this right. time
1: average daily daily nightly life rather in new
0: york that's right, and uh actually fun fact about this game they the writers decide that doing drugs would be super bad for the kin, all right, so don't do them there's a really horrific random table if your character if you're if you're your vampire or your animates or your inuit decides to uh do some kind of illicit substance and it just turns them upside down totally because
1: drugs are bad also stay in school and don't take candy from strangers and knowing is half the battle
0: yeah and finally man just like one of the (laughs) other options you have is to just go into the wormholes and start punching stuff so did we not mention the wormholes before don't worry this book didn't mention it until 68 pages in 68 out of 88 (laughs) yeah (laughs) Apparently, there's catacombs underneath New York City, mostly abandoned tunnels, abandoned subway tunnels, but some other more mysterious holes in the ground. Well, that's why they closed the subway. People kept getting eaten. Makes perfect sense. Was that actually in the book? No. (laughs) That's me inferring it. No, nothing is in this book. Oh, my gosh. And uh, these these, uh, catacombs turn into the wormholes spewing forth ancient unseen monsters that have forgotten the light of day and they're bad for some reason so you, you better punch them they're bad because they eat people so you who eat people should stop them yeah. and uh,
1: now I know that you only have the first edition book but uh, I did go ahead mm-hmm. and peek forward into the third edition of the book and uh, there is a new threat on the horizon by the time that rolled around Um Uh, Because I guess the publisher realized that they needed a new, more unifying enemy. And so they settled on the virus, which is obviously strongly inspired by films like The Matrix, which came out in 1999, and The Borg from uh, Star Trek. Uh, The virus is a new entity, new enemy that uh, infects humanity and animals, uh, removes their individuality. And adds them to the collective hive mind of the virus. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's another little obvious, you know, we're not going to say ripoff, but strong homage.
0: I mean, well, clearly they read Dirty Secrets of the Black Hand and they thought that the, uh, the Soul Eater virus was so cool. And they just decided to use that in their game.
1: Now, to be fair, the Soul um, Eater virus is so cool.
0: I mean, it's not like Vampire ever ripped that off from any Brian Lumley novels ever. I don't
1: don't even know what a
0: necroscope is, Mike. I I don't know. So, like most punk-inspired games in the early 90s, including Vampire the Masquerade, which was published in 1991, this game includes a list of slang, a whole lexicon of terms. And let me tell you, boy, is it outdated. Uh, Chig, when did Nightlife come out? Let's see here. Back to page one.
1: Oh, um... This this is kind of embarrassing. It looks yeah. like the first edition came out in nineteen hundred and ninety, which is a year before the uh, World of Darkness was published.
0: What, what?
1: What? Yeah. Um. It looks like they were ripping off Rhine Dot Hagen, but in advance.
0: Wait so they like were psychic they knew vampire was coming out and they ripped it off before it came out that i mean that's the only thing that 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 could explain this right that's the only thing that i can think of i mean because otherwise i mean otherwise chick you're telling me that there was a gothic urban punk role-playing game uh about playing the monster about retaining your humanity about hiding your true nature from mortals in an elaborate masquerade about bleak millennialism and it was all published and available at Gen Con 1990?
1: That appears to be the case.
0: Chig, everything I ever believed is a lie.
1: Yes, everything.
0: Everything. Hey, Chig, you want to do a favorite, least favorite? Absolutely. Let's move on to that section. All right. So, um, Chig, what's your favorite part about Nightlife, published uh, by Stellar Games in the year? of our Lord, 1990.
1: It is definitely the setting. Um, I like a good urban horror setting, and this one just really gets in there and scratches that itch, you know? Mike, what is your favorite part of nightlife?
0: Wait, I have to wait, re- rewind, chick. are you actually serious?
1: No, no, there's no setting in this book. Mike. We <laughs> yeah, covered this it's, earlier. It's, no. it's garbage. <laughs>
0: no. Yeah, for my okay, favorite well, part, I like, I like <laughs> almost nothing, but hey, New York's cool. <laughs> um, Okay, well, I'm going to give you a serious answer, actually, because I think the humanity can- mechanics are pretty interesting. Uh, I like that they try to balance power levels of characters with the fact that uh, as you get more powerful, you spiral towards inhumanity faster and faster, and you also become more vulnerable to your weaknesses uh, as you get more powerful. So, you know, it's a, it's a nice balance for the, uh, uh, the storyteller or... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The, the game master of this game is called the City Planner, Just had to bring that up. Very menacing Uh, title. Yeah, indeed. Uh, It just gives them some interesting options to play with uh, in the game, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Uh, So moving on to least favorites, um, I'll go ahead and tackle this first. Uh, I know that it's an artifact of its time, uh, but my least favorite part of the game has to be the ability score generation system. Um, It's 4d10 straight down the line for all eight abilities, and that's real swingy um oh yeah uh and hey i think i know what it might be already but mike
0: what is your least favorite part of this game Uh, i mean chig you know it's a real pet peeve of mine i don't know if we really talked about it here in the show but uh whenever i look at a new game i always gotta look at the seduction skill because well at first glance nightlife passes the test it allows your character with a seduction skill to quote encourage others to see them in a romantic light End quote. So there's no gender about it, you know? It's it's just using your skills at romance to get someone to be romantic with you, right? That's fine. Nothing about sexuality, nothing about gender. But, right. uh, you know, they, they dropped the ball. They almost stuck the landing. But when you look at attractiveness, the stat with which you uh, use seduction, it says that it is, quote, the measure of physical beauty to the opposite sex. End quote. Whoops. So that means a handsome guy doesn't look handsome to other men? A, handsome, uh, a beautiful woman doesn't look beautiful to other women? It's only the opposite gender? That is absolutely doesn't correct. Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't, Everybody maybe in the that world the is case.
1: completely straight as of the year 1990. That's how that worked. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's what I was about to say. Ah. Chig, would you play Nightlife, City of Violence?
1: Hard yes. No questions asked.
0: What about you? Yeah, Jake, you know, I think it's time that I just throw out these multiple bookcases for the World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness and just replace it with Nightlife and its four awesome source books. I mean, what more do you need?
1: Well, Patreon subscribers should uh, need to stick around to listen to the bonus content where Mike and I make characters in Nightlife. Jake, um,
0: I'm never, I'm never going to make a character for this game. <laughs> no amount of money... Will ever convince? Well, maybe a million bucks would convince me to make a character for this, but uh, it's probably not going to happen.
1: All right, but uh, but for real, uh, we do not have a Patreon, uh, listeners. So that was a that was a tease. Uh, but uh, if you do have a couple of dollars to spare, rather than looking for our Patreon, please consider donating to Jeff's GoFundMe page. He would appreciate it, and so would we.
0: Yeah, definitely. And again, we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, link you over to that to good cause. And, of course, we are Dark Days Radio. If you liked this horror heartbreaker kind of segment and uh, would like to hear us do something similar to it again, maybe with a little less uh, goofiness, a little less April Fool's, we'd uh, definitely like to hear about that if you're interested. And uh, if you want to get in contact with us and tell us about that or give us any other feedback, uh, you can email us over at darkdaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet us at Dark Days Radio. We have an Instagram, of course. We're on Discord with a link in the show notes. And we're also on Spotify.
1: And, of course, we have our website, darker-days.org.
0: That's right. Chig, thank you uh, for coming on the show uh, again to re-record this episode that uh, I messed up. You're just, you're, just, you're just a legend. You're just a legend, Chig.
1: It was and is always my pleasure.
0: And to all the listeners out there. Thanks, take it easy, and have a good night.
1: Stay safe out there, Darklings. We'll see you next time.
0: This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com. Yeah, so I mean, there's a whole bunch of different factions of the kin, right? You have the, uh, oh shit, I don't even remember their names now because it's <laughs> been like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um,